right, so I want to talk to you this morning about the welcome mat of prayer. And since we're talking about welcoming, we want to welcome our live stream audience. Would you give it up for our live stream audience? They're out there watching. My friends, people all around, all over the place. We have people that watch from Arizona and Canada, all over the place. So welcome live stream audience. I want to talk to you this morning about the welcome mat of prayer. If you're with us for the first time, we're in a, we're in a kind of like a series where I, I am laying a foundation for 2020 and beyond about each of us personally and as a church, corporately, building an altar of prayer in the presence of God. And uh, we're going to stay right here for a while. Um, and so today I want to continue in that idea and talk about the welcome mat of prayer. Heaven has put out the welcome mat. And so it's my heart's hope today for me and for you uh, that you'll be encouraged I don't know how, if you see yourself as a praying person or a great prayer person, you know, they have, they have terminologies in the church where we say, that person's a prayer warrior. And uh, I always think about people that don't go to church and they try to identify with some of these phrases we use in, in the family, like prayer warrior and stuff. Do, do they think, is the guy like a ninja or is he like ISIS or what, what is that? You know, uh, it just means that you're really you know, like, you know, committed to praying and all that stuff. So anyway, but it's my hope that no matter if you consider your yourself a churchy prayer kind of person, or you just are open to God, that you will be encouraged uh, to, to, to realize that heaven has put a welcome mat out there for you. And uh, so my, my mind's been thinking about a, a welcome mat with prayer. And so I got online and I thought, I bet you there are some really funny welcome mats out there. You know, you go to people's house and it would just be that old rubber thing that says welcome. You're like, eh, whatever. But there's some, fun, there's some funny ones. Hey, if you want to really laugh this afternoon, Google funny welcome mat. I can't share all of them with you, but man, there's some good ones. There's some ones on there you can't share in church. Then you can read those. You can read those at home. Um, but here are some that you can share in church. Um, this one, you, you go up the picture. You go up to the welcome mat, and it says, "I hope you told us you were coming over." Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Here's one. We are probably just pretending not to be home. That's a good one. How about this one? Especially if you did, if you worked retail over the holidays, you probably put this one out. We are all peopled out, right? I mean, there's not a lot of welcome vibe in any of those mats, but you know what? I mean, have you ever felt, here's a good one. You better have pizza. That's a good one. And those of you who have a bunch of rugrats in your house, you have about four or five or Wharton's like 65 kids in their house and they're all under the age of like five or whatever. Can you imagine such a thing? What kind of person? Anyway, but, but and their welcome mat is welcome to the jungle. Does that sound about right? You know, churches should really be a place where people feel welcome and we try to do uh, our best at uh, making especially first-time people, visitors feel welcome. And some people don't do that in-house, and they just rely on their church signs to do that. Have you ever ridden by a church sign, and, and, uh, and you thought, uh, hmm, I don't know if that sign made me want to give there more or less. I found some church signs, and, and you want to laugh? That's another one, too. And, and, and there are some signs that I, I guess would that give them an A for good intentions, but, but if you don't do the sign right, you might actually work against yourself and make people think you're weird and not come. For instance, here's one that says, and it's a quote, it's a quote, and it says, I hate this church, satin. S-A-T-I-N. You know what I mean? I hate this church, satin. 
You know, it's like what you know is nobody knows how to spell in that place, right? Here's another one. Don't let worry kill you. Let our church help. Yeah? 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 Now, here's one in the southeast. And I probably, I lived in Tuscaloosa and became a, a, Crimson, a Crimson Tide fan. I, I say amen to this one. It says, if you don't love Jesus and cheer for Alabama, you'll auburn. Yeah? Yeah, good. That's true, though. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, we're talking about the welcome mat of prayer. The welcome mat of prayer is about the heart of God. Now, the thing is, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher more than a preacher. And so I have layers and layers, and it's really hard for me to stay within a certain idea because I just want to unpack them all. Like, I feel compelled already to, to talk about all kinds of prayer. And, you know, basically, prayer really is about the glory of God. And, and all of our lives is about the glory of God. It's not the glory of me or the glory of man. It's not church-centered, it's Christ-centered, it's God-centered. The doxology is not sung to me or you, it's sung to God. And I want to go there. But you know, the thing is, we can discover all that once we get inside the house. But there's a lot of people that aren't inside the house. I mean, they're saved, but they're not inside the Father's house. In other words, we don't really, we don't avail ourselves as we could uh, to this thing of prayer. And I think one of the reasons is because we're not necessarily sure there's a welcome mat out there. So I've been spending a lot of time in my time with the Lord, and I've been thinking deeply about this idea of establishing an altar of prayer in the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't have a real altar, but it's an idea, a symbol of coming before God, being in His presence, and really meeting with the Lord. So I wrote this thing to myself, and I want to go back to it with my own eyes and challenge myself and check myself. And I wrote this to myself, and I want to share it with you. And, it, and it's, oh, I like that slide. That was awesome. It's this. The media team rolls rocks at our church. Here it is. I wrote this to me, and I want to come back to this in my life. Prayer is too great an opportunity and too extravagant an invitation that we should shrink back in unbelief, guilt, and fear. Would you read that out loud with me? Ready? Prayer is too great an opportunity and too extravagant an invitation that we should shrink back from it in unbelief, guilt, and fear, right? Now you can take a break and I'll read the rest. Neither can we afford to be captured by the spirit of the age, which drives us away from meeting with the only one who can keep our soul from the barrenness of a busy life. Would you pray with me? I think we have tribal dancing going on downstairs. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's pray. Uh, someone can beat the drum. We'll pray while we're doing it. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us today, that you have put a welcome mat out there for us, and we can learn how to pray. We don't have to be Presbyterians or Pentecostals or Baptists. We, we can learn how to pray. And, and a lot of us need to be untaught so we can really pray. And some of us need to be taught. But we want you to teach us. We want your spirit to touch our spirit and encourage us. Encourage us so that we don't shrink back. But we come on in and help us to do that and start to do that and continue to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Hey, can you handle the tribal drums? I can. I'll try. You try. We'll work together. I like it. We don't want it to stop. I like having that. I like noise. I like kids, all that, right? Well, let's, 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 let's focus in. What causes us to shrink back? Well, emotionally, we shrink back because of guilt and fear. Guilt and fear. Um, I, I know in my life, at times, I'm, a very, I'm very sensitive, and if I feel like I've let the Lord down, or if I feel like I've fallen short, or I've made a mistake, or I've sinned, you know, then uh, what I have a natural tendency to do, and probably you do too, is the guilt of that, uh, I run away from the Lord in a way, instead of to Him, right? I don't know, that's part of the Adamic, you know, the Adam and Eve thing, you know, when they realized that they weren't what they, they went off and they hid, right? Guilt can do that. It can cause us to go away from God. Um, guilt is a very toxic thing unless it's mixed with the grace of God, because God in His grace has given us a conscience, so that conscience will feel guilty when it's supposed to, but the grace of God mixed in with the conscience will draw a person toward the Lord, not away from the Lord. Guilt by itself is a killer, and guilt alone can cause us to shrink back from seeing that God has a welcome mat out there, even for people who are sinning sinners. Fear is another one. Uh, uh, the Bible, you say, well, well, Tim, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is. But you have to understand what the fear of the Lord is and what it is not. The fear of the Lord is another aspect that draws us closer to God instead of making us turn away from God. I, I love, the, I love the, 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 the episode of Everybody Loves Robert. Uh, don't you feel sorry for Robert? I mean, it shouldn't be, I mean, poor Robert. Everybody loves Raymond, right? Any of you brothers or sisters out there, you have a Raymond and you feel like you're a, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But there's an episode where, where Robert wants to ask uh, Amy's parents if, uh, if they will give her hand in marriage to him. And they're these real starchy, ultra-conservative so-called Christians. You know, they're the, always the kind that, that uh, Hollywood portrays. And there's uh, Amy's mom and dad, and Robert's sitting there. As a matter of fact, Amy's mom and dad are doing a puzzle, of course, of Jesus. They're doing a puzzle of Jesus, right? And so there's Robert, and, and Raymond comes along for support. And Amy's dad says, well, what we need to know is, are, do, are you a God-fearing man? And Robert goes, yes, I'm scared to death of him. <laughs> and that's the kind of fear, that's the kind of fear that leads us away from God. He doesn't want us to be scared to death of him. But see, guilt and fear can cause us to shrink back. And in the practical everyday life, I just call it the, the cultural tide. It's the spirit of the age. I get caught up in it. You get caught up in it. It's like a racehorse, isn't it? It's like a speedway, right? You know, what the, you know what the yield signs mean on the highway? They don't mean anything. That's what they mean. <laughs> what does yield mean to the person that's supposed to do it? Nothing. You know who yields? You have to yield because they're coming on, baby. Right? There ain't no yield. That, but that's, the, that's a typical idea. Convenience, fast food, and we eat it fast. We eat it before we get out of the McDonald's parking lot. It's half gone. Right? In our prayer life, we shrink back because everything's so fast and so self-absorbed and so self-reliant. Right? It's like, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. 
I guess all I can do now is pray. I've done everything else. I guess I'll try to, instead of the first thing. But that's, don't feel, that's how we're conditioned without God to be. Yet, with all that, the welcome mat remains. And I'm so glad for that. I believe there is a welcome mat outside of the Father's house. And if we saw it, it would read something like this. We come up to the Father's house, spiritually speaking, to God, to pray, to come in and pray and meet the Lord. And I think it would say something like this. Welcome to a great opportunity, an extra, extravagant invitation prepared for you, prepared for you by the Father and made possible by Jesus. Well, the Bible tells us that that's the case. Look what Ephesians 2 says. This describes that welcome mat perfectly by Paul. He says, he came, meaning Jesus, and preached peace to you who were far away. Peace to you who are far away. Hey, the welcome mat's for you. You feel far away? Peace to you from God and to those who were near. For through him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Would you read that part with me? It says four. Read it and keep going. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, keep going. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. Welcome, Matt. Welcome, Matt, man. I love the modern-day preachers and the modern-day writers, but I can't get away from the old saints. I don't want them to be forgotten. One of the greatest books and, uh, on prayer you could ever read is by a guy named Andrew Murray with Christ in the School of Prayer. He was born in 1828. He died in 1917, and here is a quote from Andrew Murray's book. I love this. The great thing in prayer is to feel that we are putting our supplications into the bosom of an omnipotent love. Just look, just look at that for a minute. I'll tell you what, there's some great stuff in, about Christianity that's been written uh, prior to 2015. I mean, awesome stuff. Awesome. There's songs, books, sermons. Yeah, Andrew Murray. Taking your requests and placing them in the heart of omnipotent love. What is prayer? To, well, it's talking. No, it's it's taking my request. That's a welcome mat idea, isn't it? That's what God wants from all of us. Those who are near, those who are far away. Jesus says, "Hey, welcome mat for you." Now I've been walking with the Lord, and He's been walking with me more than I've been walking with Him for thirty some years. Because I chase rabbit trails sometimes, and I go off on side tracks. Jesus, thankfully, continues to keep me back on his path. And, and one of the things that I do is I get busy serving God so much that sometimes I forget the God I'm serving. I don't mean I really forget him, but I, 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 I get into a mode of, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm working hard for you. 
don't you come on down here and help me because I'm working hard for you, right? I can get caught in that sometimes and get away from this simplistic purity of devotion to Jesus. Anybody else like me in the room or is it just me? And when I do, I, I come across sometimes, I, I just want to give you con- convicting scriptures when it's been too long. Convicting scriptures when it's been too long regarding prayer. Now, there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction means you come back to your senses and you get back on the right course, and God in his kindness puts you on the right course, awakens you to stuff that you've been veering away from, and he pulls you in. That's conviction. Condemnation is like this. It turns the light off and tells you it's your fault and tells you to get lost. Or makes you feel like that you don't belong with God. There is a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation doesn't create faith and lead you to the Lord. It makes you feel you're not worthy to be with the Lord. Right? So these scriptures are not to condemn you. They're to convict us. Okay? How many of you under, you got it, right? Raise your hand and say, I'm smarter than you, and I don't have to have you explain it so often as much as you do. Hey, when I, when I share these scriptures, if the shoe fits, wear it. But if it doesn't, don't let me hit you over the head with it, okay? But, but, but here's some scriptures that get to me sometimes when I am too busy to pray. Uh, the prophet Isaiah is talking to, the, to Israel, and he's speaking for God. And Israel has forgotten God days without number. And they're leaning on kings, and they're leaning on their money, and they're leaning on, on their numerous warriors and their heritage. And they're not walking close to the Lord. And the Lord says this to them. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But look at this. But you would have none of it. But you would have none of it. You, and God saying is like this. God says, and you said, no, we will flee on horses. See that culture? Therefore, you will flee, God says. Because in their case, uh, he was trying to warn them because Assyria was coming to attack Israel and, and, and level them. And God was using Isaiah to say, it doesn't have to be this way. This is happening because you've left me. This is happening because you've walked away and you've, you've built idols and you've forgotten. And, and it doesn't have to be this way. You're too busy to hear me. You're too busy to get back where it is. So yeah, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. Again, this is a convicting thought, not a condemning thought. Don't you identify a little bit with that sometimes? God's saying, hey, turning back to me and resting in your salvation, quietness and trust in, in, in my strength and, and being in my, but you would have none of it. You're too fast. Here's another one from the New Testament. This one's from Jesus. He's talking about uh, the kingdom of God being like an opportunity that God is giving to the people that live now. Not that heaven. He's not talking about someday in heaven. He was talking about the kingdom's right here. And the kingdom's right here for us right now. And he, and he describes it to be like a banquet, like a feast. Jesus said, someone, someone hears Jesus and he, he starts thinking about heaven and he, and he says, blessed is the one who will eat at, at the feast in the kingdom of God. And everybody probably went, hallelujah, I felt the Lord on that brother. Hallelujah, great word for the church. And Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, let me tell you how it really is now. And then he says this, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. 
And at the time of the banquet, which is now, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Next verse. But they all alike began to uh, uh, make excuses, right? Is that one, see what I mean? Convicting scriptures when it's been too long. Everything is now ready, and every woo woo heaven's gonna be awesome. I got my ticket punched. No, I'm talking about it right now, it's ready. And everybody made excuses. Look at the excuses. First said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought the five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another one said, I just got married so I can't come. Notice those things. None of those are sinful. None. It's about buying a piece of property. It's about buying an oxen. The only thing I would have a qualm with that is, is that it's like I bought the property without looking at it. That's not necessarily smart. I bought the car. I'm going to go try it out. That's not smart. Jesus might be using that to say, hey, none of these guys are smart. Here's the thing about excuses that we make to God. We think they're excusable. Every excuse I ever make to me sounds right. You? Jesus says we're all hyped up about the coming kingdom, but let me tell you how it really is. We'll trade time with God for cows and... And he wasn't knocking marriage right. It's a gift from the Lord, but hey, first things first. That's what he's saying. Convicting scriptures when it's been too long. Back to Andrew Murray, this guy who said something powerful in 1900 and something. God rules the world by the prayers of his saints. That prayer is the power by which Satan is conquered, that by prayer the church on earth has disposal of the powers of the heavenly world. Man, look what prayer can do. Conquer Satan's encounters. Look what prayer can do where the church on earth has at their disposal the powers of the heavenly world. I just don't have time for that, though. I'm gonna, do you got time to come to prayer meeting? Who has time for that? Who has time for prayer? Right? I mean, really, right? I mean, I mean, I don't mean saying prayers between Caleb songs, you know. I mean, I mean, I mean meeting with God. Now, now that we're all good and convicted, yet by grace and mercy, his welcome mat remains on the porch. That is the. There's so many things about God that just, but you know what I'm so thankful for? His unlimited patience and his continual outreach to me. 
And the, and, and, and the welcome mat is out there on the porch for sinning sinners. And the welcome mat is out there for wayward sons and daughters. Look at God's heart for all of us here in this one from Isaiah. Come now. When's now? Now. And let us reason together. Isn't that beautiful? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Because, see, here's the thing about God. He wants us with him so much that he sent his only son. His only son. Oh, Lord, I don't want to be so Christianized that only son is a theory and doctrine instead of a reality. God sent his own son to shed his blood, carry our sins, drink the cup of condemnation and judgment to the last drop. My condemnation, my judgment, yours, so that we could avail ourselves to this amazing invitation and extravagant opportunity. Look at this beautiful verse from Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, that's what I'm trying to get. Welcome, Matt. Makes you feel welcome. Brings you confidence. Since we have confidence to what? Enter the most holy place. Why? Because we're something? No. By the blood of Jesus. That's for everybody. He died for everybody. So that the welcome mat applies to you. If you go stand on that welcome mat and someone from the church world says, you're not worthy to go stand on, how can you say that you can have confidence to go into the Father's house? You say, by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. Right? So let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Wow. Look how we can come before God. It's already accomplished for me. It's already accomplished for you, right? It's already there. The blood's been shed. The opportunity to have a clear conscience before the Lord with, our, with us pure before him, because of what he already did and finished, we can stand on that welcome mat, ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be open to us. Prayer is too great an opportunity. It's too extravagant of an invitation that we should shrink back in unbelief, guilt, and fear. Jesus said this to Nicodemus. He said, you know what? No one has ever gone up to heaven but the one who came down. That's me. That's not me. That's what he said. So Jesus came here with firsthand knowledge of what the creator of the universe is like. What's his heart like? Jesus ought to know he came from the heart of his father to show us. And the stories he told predominantly had a family context. Father, son. Father, daughter. Here's what Jesus says about God's heart toward all of us. Ready? Luke 12, 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It doesn't say 
the Father is pleased to get you to heaven. It says give you the kingdom. Now, heaven's a great thing, but it's not the end of the world. Do you know that? Do you know that forever is going to be here, not there? If you read the last book of the Bible, there comes here. Heaven's great right now, but it's not the end of the world. They're going to come to us. God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And the new Jerusalem, the city of God, where my daddy is, where my grandmas are, where people I love are, where Mark Rose is watching us. You talk about live stream. That's a live stream. High definition. Jesus said to me and you, to anyone, ready? Everyone, do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And then look at this one. Remember the prodigal son? The son leaves home, wastes everything his father gave him, wastes it on sexually immoral living and everything else along with it. Comes back and the father embraces him, welcomes him, and pours all the riches back on him. The son who never left. He never left home, but he never went in. And so the father comes out to him and he says, my son, Jesus is describing God to me and you right now. You are always with me. And what? 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 What's everything mean? Do you know why we don't necessarily, I don't know necessarily what everything means? Because you understand everything on the inside of the house, not on the outside of the house. It's on the inside of the house that God starts to open our eyes, that the Holy Spirit takes us on a deep dive. The nautical term Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 takes us on a deep dive into the heart of God so that we can know the things God has freely given to us. But the Corinthian church is a lot like the Cumberlander church. Are we not carnal? We quote preachers, size up which camp of theology we're in. I'm of Paul. I'm of Furtick. I'm of Calvin. I'm of Arminian. I'm a Lutheran, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a whatever. I like to read Tozer, I like to read Bill Johnson. I like Australian worship music. I like the stuff from Nashville, where Jesus came from, Southern Baptist Convention. I'm a New King James type of guy, I'm an Old King James type of guy. On we go. Are we not carnal? Acting as mere men? And Paul points them and says, listen, let me, let me introduce you to someone better than Apollos and someone better than Paul. His name's called the Holy Spirit. He wants to take you on a deep dive into the heart 
of God. But you got to have time to go on a deep dive. How much of the kingdom does he want to give me? The whole kingdom. How much is mine? So King David got a hold of that by the Holy Spirit. He had insight into the presence of God. And he, he describes meeting with God in prayer, the welcome mat like this in Psalm 27. He says, my heart says of you, seek his face. Now stop. Close your eyes. My heart says of you, seek his face. Now listen. Listen real close in your heart right now. Is he saying that to you? Is he saying that to you? Seek his face. Seek his face. You? Here's what we say back. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Answering the call to pray is higher than answering the call to preach. For only certain people are called to preach, but every child of God is called to pray. Let's say it this way, invited to pray. Now, there's a lot of people who think they were called to preach. I heard about a kid that said to an old saint in his church, he said, you know what, I was out in the field and I saw in the sky, God wrote three letters, GPC. And I took that to me, a calling for me that said, go preach Christ. Well, they let that kid preach. And after the service, the young kid said to the saint, he said, what do you think? He said, well, son, I think God was saying, go pick cotton. <laughs> Many are called and few are frozen. Um, but there's a greater call to preach. It's called to pray. Greatest preachers in the world are praying ones because what they get doesn't come from them, it comes from the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is the greatest prayer in the cosmos. And so when it says, my heart says of you, seek his face, that's a heart that has the Holy Spirit in it. And the Holy Spirit only comes into a heart that opens their heart to the finished work of Jesus turns from a life without Christ, comes to the foot of the cross and says, Lord, I have wandered far away from you. Holy Spirit, help me. But now I'm coming home. When I or you or anybody else looks at the one on the pole who carried all of sin, all of judgment and looks and really looks, God says he will heal the venom and toxicity of a polluted soul that has been bound in the chains of sin and he will set you free and give you the gift of everlasting life. When that happens and you really believe, he puts the promised Holy Spirit on the inside of you that guarantees your inheritance of what is to come in the new age. And when that happens, God said, I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to begin to walk in my ways. So Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. It is a cooperation with the living spirit of God who begins to call you to the presence of God and, be and begins to put inside of you his desires. And the more time we spend with him, the more we become like him. 
The problem is we have a lot of people that say prayers, but they don't really meet with the Lord. But when we meet with the Lord, we get changed from glory to glory. So as we continue to stay at the foot of this mountain, we're not moving because the cloud isn't moving. He wants to establish an altar of prayer in your life and in my life. And he's wanting to encourage us today by saying, focus on this. I have placed a welcome mat out in front of every one of you. Hear the word of the Holy Spirit through through the Apostle James, who was the biological half-brother of Jesus of Nazareth. When he saw Christ risen from the dead, he stopped calling him my brother and called him my Lord. James, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said this, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Would you stand please? We as believers... Today, I want to invite anybody who would like to receive in the grace that's already been given to you and me, an impartation, a stirring up, as Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame, stir up the gift. I want to ask those of you who would just be willing enough, maybe uh, humble enough to come and stand here in the front I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you for anything other than this, a symbolic representation of you saying, God, I don't want to try. I want you to quicken in me the spirit of prayer. And you will begin to lead me to seek your face and really spend time with you. Help me to avoid the traps of busyness that lead to barrenness. I have excuses, but I really want you to to rain down the lordship over my days and my time. I want to be somebody that really begins to meet with you. I want to trust you at the altar today that you will quicken in my heart a new spirit of prayer, of prayer. Come, let's reason together. Come near to God, and God will come near to you. There is a welcome mat for each one of us. The great thing in prayer is to feel that we are putting our prayers, our supplications into the bosom of omnipotent love. Would you come and join me? Would you come as the, as the band plays? Make room for everyone. Make room for as many. Look, remember that you don't have to be sorrowful in the sense where you cower back because there's a welcome mat out. There's a welcome mat out for you and me. A welcome mat. Lord, I don't want to become a prayer like some religious guy or somebody that I think is a... I just want... I'm just me. Just... I ask you to quicken it in me today. Quicken in me a spirit of prayer. Yes, Lord. And these guys will close it out as we sing.